Fuck. Welcome back to another episode and the last episode of Tea Time with Linz. Can you believe it has been 40 episodes? 4-0. What? What? I will be returning to do a season two in around September time because this has been such a joy to do. I have just been so inspired by each and every one of my guests and I look forward to chit-chatting to more people and getting even more inspired. What? Is that even possible? So if you know anybody or yourself included are in the creative arts, whatever that is to you, please feel free to contact me because I would love to have you on. And I just hope that you have found listening to these podcasts inspirational, motivating, whatever it is. I just hope you've enjoyed them and you've got something from them. So many of my guests so far have gone on to do wonderful things since chatting to them. Ben, who I interviewed for my second episode, he just wrapped a project in Budapest. Hannah Whiteoak's new film comes out soon, Accidentally in Love. You can watch the trailer online. Iron J got his kidney. What? So Iron, I did an episode, I think it was three or four. It was a, a quick cheeky little bonus episode because I was really trying to help him spread the word on getting his kidney. That was, what, f- six months ago? He now has his kidney. I'm so absolutely thrilled. Lindsay Perry started working on a new feature film in New York. Kevin filled a TV show in San Francisco. Sarah just wrapped a TV show in London. Poe, the passenger, recording a new album. Anthony just booked a pilot. And Jameson, with LA on camera, just had a bunch of students booking roles on several shows, including myself. There's so... Everybody is just going on to do so many fantastic things right now, especially during these crazy times. So please go follow these lovely people to keep up with what they are doing. And remember, just keep going on your own path and don't give up. Go take classes, keep your wheels oiled, read books, connect with others, and like I said, keep going. All right, let's get on with the show. Today's guest, I'm absolutely thrilled to finally have met her, even though it was just via Zoom, who cares, is the wonderful darling Rebecca Ferdinando. Rebecca is a British actress, model, and host as well as an advocate for helping young people from all backgrounds a chance to get into the performing world. Rebecca has had a fabulous run in the British indie film world, and she's going from strength to strength with a new film, Election Night, that is currently doing very well in the film circuit. You can follow Rebecca on Instagram at Rebecca Ferdinando, and not to spoil anything from the show, but just throwing it out there. Guys, from the Call Me the Midwife, get Rebecca on that show, wig her up. That being said, get me on Grey's Anatomy. Wake me up. Let's do it, guys. All right, without further ado, Rebecca Ferdinando. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Rebecca Ferdinando. <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too shabby, shabby, shabs. You are very, very welcome. So Across the pond. Across the pond. Across the pond. Am I the... Yeah, am I your first across the pond or one of many across the pond? Uh, quite a few. I think I've done maybe about 10 different ones. So why don't you start telling us about how you got into the creative arts and the performative world? Um, It's really interesting, actually, because I don't ever remember a time when I wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. I've had lots of jobs alongside, but I don't think I've ever had a normal per se job. 
I was singing, dancing from three years old, mm-hmm. ballet, tap, um, modern, then into more grades, exam work, then into youth theatre, lambda exams, then into, um, actually youth theatre was really a prof- like profound for me it was it was special there was you know when you just have a really great group of people and you really get on and it's so special and if you try and recreate that it will just never happen yeah. because it just it mm-hmm. just worked you know it was just it was magical and actually everyone has gone on from that to go it's like it was so inspiring for us you know there was young Harry that actually ended up going into Harry Potter and playing Dudley and there was um Daniel, who is now in, um, he, he he does loads of stuff in the West End. Jonathan, West End, Come From Away. Uh, I mean, literally, I could just name these people that I was in youth theatre with that are just so successful. And um, so it was obviously very, very, very special. And mm-hmm. as a group, we all we all had something something um, special, or certainly they did. But uh, then after that. I my mum and dad have always been quite academic and always wanted me to do my exams I wanted to go to Sylvia Young full-time they were very much like no we know you've got in but we need you to 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 knuckle down oh that's a Um, shame because Sylvia Young they do obviously all the academic stuff as well yeah they do but like not I guess I guess it's not yeah they're not well known for that (laughs) Yeah. Be honest. But, um, <laughs> but but obviously the the flip side of that is that they are fantastic at what they do do um so so I loved my time at Sylvia Young went there went there um but when I did my A-levels like a good little girl and got very good results which led me on to going to university and at the same time my dad was like you could go and you know become a doctor with these grades and I was like but I want to do drama and they were like but you should do medicine and I was like <laughs> I want to do drama <laughs> drama uh, so I put my foot down and I went and I studied um, drama and theatre arts do you need to to become an actor no you do not need to but I'm, I'm still glad that I went and did my my degree and um and actually Freema Ajuman, who's um, a very well-known actress, mm-hmm. uh, she was in the year above me. So um, you know, there were there were some really great people um, studying at, at Middlesex where I went, and then I went on to um, Central, and uh, oh, yeah, and um, and then I just carried on because I think I think you always do need to carry on um learning you can never learn enough so I'm always at the actor center as and when I when I want to kind of flex that that muscle and yeah see that's why I just never remember a time where it was like this um kind of suddenly I'm gonna go and do acting it wasn't really like that for me it It was was just natural it was always there, you know, there was something, I was always in some kind of production somewhere, yeah. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the lines, you know. Um, the only thing I would say is that I did fall into TV presenting when I was around about eight, 17, 18, 19. Okay. Um, 
which wasn't meant to happen. I was doing modeling at the time, again, something that kind of fell into place just mm-hmm. from, um, I was doing promo work. I was doing a lot of the grid girl stuff. So I was going to, uh, I, was, I was doing all the, all the circuits around the UK. And then that, that led to um, Monaco and, and, and so on and such forth. But from that, from the modeling side, I then fell into presenting because I went to the wrong audition on, the, on one day I went to the wrong floor and I ended up at a presenting audition and I was I was like okay so I'm on the wrong floor and they and I got talking to them and they were like do you want to do, do you want to have a go at this and I was like yeah why not you know I've just basically chewed your ear off for half an hour about how I got here and t- taking the wrong uh, the the wrong directions and now I'm here so I'm going to May as well go for it. And the job required me to talk for three hours nonstop. It was um, it was a game show. If you remember, there was all these game shows in the UK uh-huh. on late at night. Grab a grand. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. There were so many. I did. I honestly did so many. The great big British quiz, which went to Channel 4. So I was I was the one whilst I was doing my drama degree. Mm-hmm. I was at presenting on channel four at the time how nice uh, um the great big british quiz so i was not your ordinary student you know i was (laughs) i was half falling asleep during the 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 lessons because um i had been up until like 4 a.m not drinking but presenting on channel four so that was my life. I was kind of, I was, I was very busy from a very young age and I've kind of been nonstop. Um, and the only thing that kind of slowed that pace was having, having my daughter um, six years ago. So yeah, well, now it's kind of a reasonable pace now. <laughs> Life is just normal pace. <laughs> well, cause like, obviously I follow you on Instagram and stuff and I'm just like, I just feel like you're always go, go, go. <laughs> so. Yeah. I know you may look like you've slowed down but uh, um, to me to the outside eye you're just like go 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 (laughs) yeah I've been so active on social media the last year I've kind of taken a a bit of a step back from it mm -hmm. um I'm still obviously on it but um yeah I've just taken a step back I think it's just a bit of reflective time that I'm I'm taking because I found myself just updating so much so often that I was missing the important stuff yeah and it's really interesting now because I'm one of those parents or people however you want to you know describe that in like at the sports day instead of standing there filming my child I'm actually watching it and actually enjoying it like soaking it all in I'm not saying that people filming are not enjoying it but they're there's there's a there's must be a fraction of their mind on on their phone than not yeah. on the app thing. So it's been really interesting taking that step back. And actually, I've got all this time now. I'm like, wow. How? <laughs> you know, at first, at first, I was like, my goodness, I've got all this time. And then I kept seeing things or doing things, and I and I was like, oh my god, that would be the best Insta story. Oh my god, I just want to upload that right now. That's amazing. How funny would that be? And now I've got to a point where I don't really recognize that I'm not posting so often. Yeah. And, and now it's done a whole 360. And I'm like, how did I even find time for that? 
Yeah. Like, you know, so I'll probably get back to where I was, but yeah, at the moment I'm just enjoying actual real life. It's interesting. I've spoken about this before, but I deleted Facebook as soon as I found out I was pregnant just because I like wanted privacy and like Instagram. I'm just like fine. And Twitter is like, whatever, but Facebook, yeah. it was just like extra noise. And I was just like, oh, fuck this shit. I just can't. It's yeah. too much. It's too much. Um, yeah. Facebook's gone for me as well. I'm not. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. I think yeah. I still have like work profile, I think. But no, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't I don't go on there. No. Yeah. Well, that's it's good to thing, take a break. Yeah, exactly. The only thing that I think I, I found that like useful for was there was a there's like a marketplace where you sell things oh yeah, on yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have it in the states but they, they have this here mm-hmm. um but I have just found this new thing and again I don't know if you have it in the states but it's called free cycle free cycle no I haven't heard of it it's totally free like oh everything on there is free it's basically people going it it's amazing like <laughs> I was like, I went on this website and I was like, oh my God, this woman is, you know, there's uh, somebody giving away all this cat food or something because maybe her cat died or whatever. And she's got this. And I'm like, hello, I've got a cat here. I'll take it. You know, there's like <laughs> loads of people like just giving away. I mean, obviously you need to check that it's actually decent, but just a little um, tip. You check it out. Yeah. I've become a lot more sustainable as well. Yeah, I've, it's so funny. I love in the past like four or five years as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was terrible, particularly when I was like Instagramming every moment of every day for outfits and like um, a new outfit every day. I'd never wear something twice. And now I really, really think about what I'm buying and wearing and mm-hmm. can I wear it or can I wear it differently and how can I wear it or who could have it after me you know all of those yeah. things I'm way more sustainable I'm not into fast fast fashion at all yeah that's good that's good the world is collapsing around us so yeah. we've got to do our bit <laughs> we have to do our bit we do exactly oh, so going back to your acting world mm. so you started out like your first couple of films yeah so shank Shank was my first film i remember that really well uh i had met the producer somewhere i think we were at the same event or something and i got talking to him and he effectively yeah he, he he invited me in to meet the the director of shank moali who's a great friend of mine now Um, And he was this really young, courageous filmmaker that was in the music business and making his first debut in in cinema and film. Oh, wow. And and he was just so young and, and really interesting. And his ideas were really fresh and innovative. And and I guess I was a bit like that because I was sort of, you know, I hadn't I hadn't done any film work, really just Mm -hmm. TV just TV a lot of TV before that but not film and so the whole creative process from start to finish I guess I just fell in love with and of course I would have liked to maybe a bigger role or something different but that was the one that suited me and I remember it was the the character was called Beanie I was like (laughs) Beanie (laughs) and uh, I remember the um the actor 
that played my my boyfriend at the time um, in the film, and he was from um, oh god, I, god, I cannot get this wrong. Hold on, his name was Robbie G, and he was he's most well known for Snatch, and he's the guy in Snatch that has the dog in the car, and oh, it's the. Yeah. F- funniest scenes right Mm -hmm. so when I found out he was my boyfriend I was like what are you kidding me (laughs) and I knew I had to do this like on-screen kiss with him whatever I think I was like absolutely in awe of this you know this actor and that and one particular day I was I was only on for a few days but the main day of filming I remember he just literally took me under his wing and we just we got on like a house on fire and I remember he had one scene where he had to eat this food or something and it was cold baked beans and I was like how do you do that take after take after take after take and he's like girl you got a lot to learn like you got to trick it you know I'm not really eating it all of it I'm just every you know just when the the camera's on me it's not you know I'm not doing it on the reverse you know all this sort of stuff and so I kind of learned, I learned a lot from him and I learned a lot from that film. And then that film led to another, to another. Um, and yeah, I'm most well known for Bonded by Blood just because the character in the scene was really funny. Oh, but it was interesting. I remember seeing it. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. <laughs> when that, when that um, film, when the, the, the script was sent to me, and again, the producer, Terry Stone, great guy. He said, what do you think about this part? And I think he thought I was going to say, you're having a laugh. Like, there's no way I'm playing that. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was like, I love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. I'm going to, like, I was like, I'm doing that. I'm absolutely 100%. Like, yeah, I'm all over it. And um, so he was like, right, well, the part's yours then, Bex, you know. Um, and I remember that day with Tama. And we, again, I think we were on two days, but we filmed the, all the, the car scene one day. Mm-hmm. Um, all the sort of interior stuff. And it was snowing that day. It started to snow and it was <laughs> freezing cold. And I'm in this nurse's outfit, like this <gasps> tiny, skimpy nurse's outfit and it's freezing. But you just, I don't know, what keeps you warm? The adrenaline, the something. But to work with Tama, and again, I remember so well... I arrived on set, we, we got taken to our trailers mm-hmm. and then we were filming somewhere in Berkshire. And I remember I went to makeup, makeup girls was so nice to me, so friendly. And then I was on the walk back to the trailer, this larger than life character flung open his trailer door and was like, so are you, are, are you the nurse? And I was like, I am the nurse. And it was Tamar. <laughs> And he said, come in, come into my trailer. And I was like this, you know, really? What, you know, I don't know you. You're like coming into my trailer. All right, okay, I'll come into your trailer. So I came in, so I went in and we just, we just talked about the scene. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about how to do it and da, da, da. But I really think, this is what he said. He said, this is your scene, Bex. You need to control it. And you need to do what you think is right for this scene and I'm just going to follow your lead and I was like Tama Hassan hold on layer cake actor has just told me it's my scene and I 
I, he's going to follow my lead. Are you kidding? Hollywood <laughs> versus Enfield? No, I cannot believe this. So I was like, this is nuts. Okay. So um, I was like, okay, I've got a few ideas, you know. And uh, obviously we, we started doing the scene and um, at the more we rolled the scene, and it's quite a long scene, but the more we rolled it, the more it was just, it was just, and there were these other bits that came out. I mean, the writing of that scene is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, what is she going on about? You oh, need it's to a great see film. Yeah. The, the, the Bonded by Blood and it's about halfway through the film and there's my character uh, comes in and with a, with a bang. But <laughs> quite literally, quite literally. Um, but yeah, so she... she I remember we were doing it over and over and over again and the writing is really good because the writing was already there because that's that's what made me fall in love with the scene in the first place but we definitely added our own little spin on it mm-hmm. um and then after that scene there's another scene outside the car and I remember the director Sasha coming up to me and he's like um I've just been having it. I've been thinking about this scene and I think it would be really good if you're at the side of the car and you're having a pee in the woods. I think mm-hmm. it would be really good. Like you're, you know, and I was like, but that's not in the, that's not in the script. And he's like, I know, but I just think it will work really well if you're coming. And I was like, okay. Like, I think again, <laughs> he thought I was going to say no chance, you know, yeah. and um, I'd probably be well within my rights to say no chance, but I could see where he was with the character and I was totally there with the character as well and to be honest if he hadn't suggested it then I probably would have and it it just it just rolled and it just worked and I remember I got after that I didn't obviously see the scene until because I had no ADR on that scene Mm -hmm. at all or the scene I didn't see it until the premiere and I remember we came out the premiere and Danny Dyer was there because he was obviously supporting his friend, mm-hmm. Tama. And he came out and I was with my mum because I bring my mum everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even the naughty <laughs> scenes, the swearing scenes, the violent scenes, the family scenes, the kids, whatever it is. <laughs> my mum sees it all. She sees it all. And she is my biggest critique. Um, but I was coming out of the cinema with my mum and he turned around, Danny Dyer, and he said, you snatched that scene, you snatched it. And those words, I remember, I was like beaming inside. I was thinking, <laughs> oh my God, I love Danny Dyer, Tama, the business. These are like some of my favorite UK British films. Yeah. And this guy is telling me I snatched it. And that night I was at the premiere and I remember an agent came up to me, Camilla Story, who's Tamma's agent, and she wanted to sign me up. And it was just one of those like magical nights where it all just kind of falls into place. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I had a, like, that was a quite a good start, really, to be honest. I still got a long way to go. <laughs> I still got a long way to go because I had a baby in between. So that's kind of not set me back, but you know, I've turned down quite a bit of work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, priorities change and things change but yeah I'm ready to get back to to that to those those feelings <laughs> those, you know, those emotions they were good they yeah. were good and it's they good as well because that's the you've worked with Sasha Bennett what three times now yeah people remember you and that's yeah. it is good and it's a testimony I hope to me as a person oh absolutely people, 
they think, oh, I love her. She's yeah. great. To I want to work with her again. And the same with um, a producer. I've just worked with Jonathan Sothcott. Um, I worked with him on, um, I think it was, oh God, I, I forget the films, but I've just worked with him on a film called um, Nemesis, but I worked with him on, not, yeah, Bonded by Blood 2, because he got the rights to Bonded by Blood 2 after Bonded by Blood 1. Um, so yeah, so I did that. He obviously likes me and wants to work with me again. He's he's excellent. He's really good. He's great. Uh, he's, got, he's got some great um, films coming up, so I hope to be involved in them in the next year or two. Well, that Just sounds... Just put it out there. Promise it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because that's the thing. If you make a really good impression, and I've said it before and people have said it to me as well, like when you're on set, just be like that yes and person like you said about the peeing by the side of the car. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah sure. Why not? It's yeah. <laughs> in, also- character. in character, may in, I just add. In, in character. character. Not just like randomly going for a pee <laughs> at the side of your um, trailer. Maybe like, uh, Bex, there's a toilet inside. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it was right for the character. Yeah, it was totally right for the character. And also just don't be a dick on set. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, it's very, very simple. But exactly. it's funny. It is hard. It is hard. And I will say, you know, especially with the the days are so long. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Uh, but it's also uh, super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. But I, I have noticed that on, the, not the last one, but the film before that, you know, after, after filming, everyone was going off to the pub or going to, I was the one going, no, I gotta get home. One, because my character was so was so draining. I needed <laughs> to get home. But obviously two because of my daughter. So I'm I'm you know, there's a time and a place for all of that now. I guess yeah. you get older and you kind of yeah, things change. So you have a first of all, like because that's the other thing as well that I've noticed about a lot of your characters, like you definitely know your branding and your type and you just yeah. run with it. And you, I, think like, it's re- I think it's really important too. you know, I, yeah. at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't want to be typecast. Yeah, oh, we all do. Yeah. I <laughs> can do Macbeth. <laughs> I can do, I don't know, Shakespeare. <laughs> I was going to start reciting and then I thought, no, don't, Becky. Don't. <laughs> I, just, I had to have a private word with myself in that split second. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think you kind of you kind of realise that actually, you know what? If I'm good at something and it works, mm-hmm. and people are hiring me because of that, I'm just going to let that be. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. I am not that person in real life, um, but I am cool with that person that you see on the sit on in the film. I, I'm yeah. cool with. That. Actually, in real life, I am um, the class rep at school. I am the one. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> This totally like completely different to the film the film the film yeah I'm like the um like the the, the mum that's like clean your teeth again clean it again <laughs> go to bed on time but yeah. I think have, you done your reading? have you done your homework I think it's really valuable and I've spoken about this before but like branding as because obviously we are like actors are a business and a product and this is what you're selling like if you're really good at something then why would you not like why would you turn it down exactly and, yeah. so yeah I feel like you've just been given this thing and you've just yeah. run with it and you've yeah. like knocked exactly. it out of the park all the fucking time oh. so um, 
It's interesting though. I have been asked a few times, would I dye my hair? Because I always play the blonde. Not so much that I do play the bimbo, but like the blonde, the blonde kind of love interest. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the 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 girlfriend of the the gangster's mole, or the you know the girl that's that's there to stir up some trouble or something. You know, and it's not that I wouldn't dye my hair because if the right parts came along, and it, and it required me to be a different color, I would do it. Mm-hmm. But so far, when there was one, there was one part that came through and it was um, get lucky. And Sasha actually said, will you dye your hair? And I said, I just don't think my character needs to dye her hair to be this person. Mm-hmm. But I did, cut, I did cut my hair and I did cut a fringe, but I was like, I just, I can do it slightly different, but I don't think it requires that. So we, we did have a chat, but yeah, I think branding is important. Are you say, you know, I yeah. think, you know, they know where to go to find that, that, um, that Rebecca. Yeah. Over- also they can wig you up if need be. Do you know what I mean? You know what? I have never worn a wig. I really? want to wear a wig. I'm yes. I have, I have never worn a wig. Um, hair extensions. Yes. Hair pieces. Yes. Wig. No, <laughs> no, I haven't worn a wig. Like my that thing. At the moment, but yeah, maybe the next part that I'm gonna, uh, yeah, is gonna have a wig. When you say you've worn wigs, have you worn them for theatre or for t- or for film but or TV? Both for theatre, I've worn a bunch of wigs. Yeah, and then most recently, I filmed something for an HBO thing, and yeah, it required like because they tried to do my hair in like 1950s curls, and my yeah. hair's just so fine. That it it was holding for like a short period of time and it would have like held through the um the filming. Yeah. But when they saw my kids who were gonna be playing my kids the next day, they're all brunette. So they were just like, Oh, so when I went in on Friday to film, they were like, Oh, we're just gonna wig you up because all your kids are brunette, so it makes sense. And then I'm just like, Yes, because I love I'm kind of it's weird. I have like a wig obsession. Yeah. I think and, I would do a wig. Yeah, I do, it's just because I feel like completely different. And I just yeah. really just immerse myself in that. Yeah. Really enjoy it because they put a lot of makeup. I want to do. I want to like do. Non-makeup. And I think this is achievable. I'm just putting uh-huh. it out there to the universe because I believe in this affirmation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I want to do Call the Midwife mm. and I want to wear a wig. So those are the two things. <laughs> I want to do Call the Midwife and I want to do, I want to wear a wig. So, yeah. But well, you know what? Sort of I want to be in Grey's Anatomy and I kind of want to wear a wig because they have yes! so <laughs> so let's let's make that shit happen right let's, let's, let's do those affirmations on the next full Call moon we're gonna wig. make it happen Grey's Anatomy wig there we go bish bash bosh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh it's gonna happen it will happen yeah let's put those feelers out there um so you've got a latest film out election night that just yes oh my goodness so it's doing the rounds at the moment Uh uh-huh very excited to see it yeah um it is it is good it is doing um all the festivals so there's some smaller uk festivals called brighton rocks um i think there was one called essex rocks there's all these like smaller sort of festivals 
and then there's London Rocks and there's something else and something else. And it's been entered into all of them and it's winning. It's winning Best Picture. It's doing, nice. really, well. Oh, fantastic. It's doing really well. It's a political horror movie. Bit of a weird, strange mix. Um, but the director, the producer is fantastic, Ben. Um, the I didn't give you the surname because I just know him as Ben. Um, but the, um, you know, and you just like, these people have become your friends. They're like, mm -hmm. it's Ben. Um, <laughs> it is a bit of a funny mix of political, it's the night of an election. The, the, the UK is completely divided. Where's it going? Um, what's going to happen? And then suddenly these three randoms turn up. I'm one of them and shake things up. Um, and yeah, it's what goes on in the house, basically. And that's where the horror, the horror side of things comes in. And that's when the film gets really exciting. And there's a bit of a, um, I play the lead with another girl called Sam. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because when we had the audition, I went in the room with Sam. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you don't always go in with the in the room, you know. If they they double you up with someone, and I yeah. I'm guessing quite a few actors will listen to this, or creative people will listen to this. And you know, when they put you in an audition, and you've got to go in with someone, and you're always thinking, I hope this person, you know, steps up, <laughs> or <laughs> I, you know, I got this on lockdown. I hope they have, or or you could be thinking, oh God, I'm going to let them down. Whatever it is, there's all these kind of emotions that are going on in your head. Um, but Sam, she was amazing in that audition. And clearly I was okay too, because, uh, you know, um, Neil, who's the director and, and, and Ben, who we can't mm -hmm. remember his name. Um, <laughs> he obviously, he obviously um, thought that too. So when Pickering, his surname was Pickering, when the, the offer came through, the first question was, so who's playing alongside me? who's the other lead mm -hmm. and they said it's Sam and I was just like yes because it that audition was magical but it was the longest audition of my life we were in that room over two hours in what? that room oh my god the director was like Neil he was this, and it and it was at um Spotlight in Leicester Square uh -huh. and he was like, okay, can you try it this way? And I thought it was really good, Rebecca, but you know, I think she's a lot more, you know, this way or, you know, Sam, you know, how do you feel about, you know, playing this? And, and then he got us to swap parts. And I was like, but I don't want to play that part. But we swapped parts. <laughs> um, and then I was like, why is he making us swap parts? And then he made us swap parts back again. And I was like, this one feels much more comfortable. I prefer this one. Um, and I don't know why he did that. I guess just to kind of make us see how the other person is playing the character. Yeah. I don't know. But it, it was it was a really, really long audition. To the he point basically that I did the callback in the audition. He basically did the entire <laughs> callback, the entire audition process in one, right? There was like five auditions in one. And he did not tell us there and then <laughs> that was the only bit of the audition process that he did not do in that part. Um, <laughs> he said that he would let us, let us know after two hours. I was like, if I don't get this part, I'm going to be screwing. Oh, like, I would be too. Two hours. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, for goodness sake. But um, 
But then it was meant to go ahead. There was some filming dates, but then they had to postpone for some reason. I think it was because the house, we were filming in this amazing house in Notting Hill. And it, I think it wasn't available on a certain couple of weeks or something. And we were, we were there for a month in this house. Oh, wow, okay. And it was owned by this girl that was a ballerina. And she was really interesting because she was still using a couple of the rooms in the house, uh-huh. but renting the whole house out to us. Huh. And it was a horror movie, right? <laughs> so we're thinking blood and, you know, all kinds of other stuff going on. <laughs> and she was, she was a bit like, you know, every, every now and then she was like, oh, that's my sofa. Could you just you know be careful and we were I remember the the producers were very much like oh my god we're trying our best you know yeah Um, so that's really difficult I think it was a learning curve for her she was she was such a lovely lady but it was probably a learning curve for her a learning curve for for us as filmmakers um and um I think by the end of it they I think they thought we should have just built a set (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the amount of money they spent in uh, cleaning and whatever else oh my built. goodness yeah built a set um but it was it was fantastic for what we needed um and the story is really interesting and one that I hope lots of people will um will identify with there's I think um, so it seems very really relevant like, yeah, obviously, like the political stuff is really relevant, particularly around um, when we were when we were auditioning and when we were preparing for the film. We had Brexit going on, and there was you know there's loads of political stuff all the uh-huh. time. In the but actually, there's a theme, an undercurrent theme throughout the whole film that is nothing to do with politics at all. It's two girls and a history. I don't want to tell you too much because you'll give the film away, but. Um, I, uh, there's there's history there between those two girls okay and I think particularly if you're a a girl that went to maybe a girl's school or a girl that um has has been through um conflict growing up with other teenagers you will identify to that to that thing um so that's so that's quite interesting and that for me was what pulled me in because although politics interests me it, it wasn't the, the, the burning, my burning desire to tell this story. And I think you have to have that burning desire to tell a story and for a reason, because it's affected you in some way. Yeah. And um, just going on to um, the other film that I did with um, Jonathan Softcott, Nemesis, mm-hmm. there's also in that film, there's um, an undercurrent of... Um, the topic of child trafficking and and actually that is a topic that is um that really pulled me into the film and it made me want to tell the story and it made me want to be connected with that film so I think you have to when when you're looking at these films as 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 young filmmakers or old filmmakers um I feel there needs to be not only you have to like that character or feel that I can maybe not like the character. Actually, you can dislike your character, but but feel a need to tell that character's story or a story within the film that you really connect with, because that fires you as an actor that fires you. And 
And I truly believe that if that's there, you you will do a great job as an actor because yeah. the, because that thought is there, that reaction. And, you know, I know everyone says it, but acting is reacting. But if you're reacting to something that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. then it will come through. It yeah, will come through. that totally makes sense. Um, just talking about politics for a second, because there was a period of time, I think it was like last year, maybe the year before, you were doing something at the House of Parliament to help get oh, yes. children's. Let's talk about that. You can explain yeah. it better than I was about to <laughs> butcher it. <laughs> yeah. But I found that really so, fascinating. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting that you 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 noticed that and you saw that. So um, I am involved. I'm an ambassador in a parliamentary society for young people in the arts, um, which means that any issues that young people have in the arts, we can be their voices to come through. So in the past, there's been things like um, the safety of auditions, particularly, Mm -hmm. or even the safety for castings for models as well. Um, And I remember, you know, as a young, as a young model in a 16, 17, 18 year old, being sent to some of these really remote locations or these really random addresses Mm -hmm. where I had to go, often by myself as a model and that that unnerved me and we've had we've had others come through with stories we've taken that to parliament parliament have addressed them and it's kind of like we're a we're a voice we're a voice of the people in the arts so that was just one example but you know there's 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 music artists that are that are dealing with 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 issues um, for me it's getting young people from you know um deprived backgrounds or low you know um underprivileged backgrounds low-income families into the arts making it more accessible for them um you know why should it be just the children that can afford the drama classes yeah you know why should it be because there's so much talent there's so much talent in fact more talent you know like and it's it's we need to make this more accessible for people mm-hmm. you know and it's and it's making that happen how can we make that happen what do what needs to happen in parliament to make that happen so that that feeds through into the local um councils and communities can we put on you know free workshops free events free um you know drama courses what can we do you know maybe maybe not drama music art we've got fashion designers there's lots of people and and we become a voice um so it's a it's a really special it's a really special role and and we go to parliament every three months and speak on behalf of of young people in the arts i think that's fantastic because in the past couple of years as well, especially, there's just been that huge like, kind of uproar about the same white British male. Like there's mm. like about five of them all yeah. come from like very privileged backgrounds. Yeah. They're always winning Oscars and BAFTAs and they're always getting these fabulous roles. And it's just like, well, what about everybody else? And what about the people who can't afford to train and can't do all the stuff that they've been privileged to do? Like not like bashing them because they're great actors and I admire them a lot um, yeah. but it's just that argument that's been going like around 
Exactly. But we need to fix this from the youngsters coming through, right? From the yeah, early exactly. years. Okay. Yeah. Not, not trying to, we're not trying to plaster over a wound that's already there. We need to fix it from now. So exactly. these youngsters that are, you know, um, that, that, that don't, that are not able to go to these classes or have this in yeah. their schools, what can we offer them? How, and particularly, you know, there's so much knife crime in London, you know, offering other things for these kids to do because yeah. sometimes just being part of a gang is for them a way of being part of something. Yeah. Well, let's give them something to be a part of. Let's give them a, a youth theater like I was part of that youth theater that was so special yeah. and inspiring. Let's give them that opportunity to be part of something. And so they turn their back on all of these, this other stuff that's no good yeah. and, and turn their lives into, into something that's very, very special. It's just giving them the opportunity. And that's, mm -hmm. that's all, that's all they need. They've, you know, just having yeah. opportunity, but from really the grassroots from the, from very early on. Yeah. I um, think that's fabulous. Wow. To the I'm really, I'm really touched that you saw that because I don't make it a big part of my life. I know. Remember when I went and spoke at Parliament, and that was a big day for me, and and, and that was really special. So I'm really touched that you saw that. It's, it's I lovely. think, I think Thank the you. reason, like when I saw that, and I think the reason why, like, stuck with me, is just like where I grew up. I grew up in Essex, and yeah, I went to drama classes, and I did like Saturday classes and all that stuff, but. um I remember I went to Sylvia Young just for like a hot second, but my parents couldn't afford to send me there like full time or even yeah. like on the weekly Saturday classes for yeah. as long as I wanted. I, can't, I don't think we could even afford the summer school. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So even though I was doing like Saturday classes at the Palace Theatre, which that is what sparked my love for acting at like six or seven is when I started. Yeah. But I'm just like, there are so many things that I feel like I missed out on just because my parents couldn't afford to do you know what I mean yeah. and I remember before I went to um, Kingston University and the only reason I went to was able to go to Kingston because I got the full loan as well but my tuition was paid for because my parents weren't earning, earning enough um, okay. but before like I got the place at Kingston I got offered about I think two places at drama schools and I'm just like I can't can't go I can't afford to go. That's to amazing that you got offered places at drama. It's so hard to get in anyway. Yeah. So you must have been incredibly, incredibly, ta incredibly talented it to was get just, in. To have to turn that down is just like gut wrenching. But you it know was what? Awful. Um, Everything is for a reason. But yeah, it's yeah. just at the time when you say you were at the Palace Theatre, is that is that the Palace Theatre in London, or did you mean it's? It? That's uh, where I grew up in Westcliff. Yeah. It's like one of the, like the main, we've got the Cliffs Pavilion and we've got the Palace Theatre and the Cliffs Pavilion is like where all the musicals go and the Palace Theatre is like where all the um, West End shows go, but they also have like shows that they put on themselves. So they used to have a Saturday school that I used to go to. And then I was actually, I had like, I think two of my first professional jobs in shows, like three month run shows when I was like 13. Wow, so it, was, it was a big deal, and I was just like, oh my so "What God. was your what was your favorite show to be a part of? Acting like drop, you know, serious acting or or, or musicals? Either what what's really memorable or really sticks out for you?" So I always wanted to grow up. Like I grew up just wanting to be in musical theater, 
Also, yes. I wanted to be in films because I'm just like, I just wanted to do everything. Well, <laughs> wanted... film, is, film is special. The, film the is creation so of film is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but music but... are just happy, aren't they? They're just, yeah. just so happy. Whenever I put a musical soundtrack on, oh, I just immediately, yeah. I am happy. And yeah. I am so yeah. excited to share that love and that passion for musical theatre with my daughter, who's oh, going gosh. to see, oh, she's going to see, I mean, she's already into it. Like last week we went to see Les Mis and Les Mis oh. is pretty <laughs> hard going for a six-year-old, right? Pretty yeah. hard going. But she's got the book. So we already did the story, so she knew. Um, but she's going to see... Joseph and the Amazing Politics <gasps> Dream Coat yep. next week. That was my first um, musical. Well, there you go. I mean, it's a special one. I yeah. I, I, I did that uh, performance at school and I remember I played one of the brothers, the name of which I cannot remember. Maybe Ruben, Ruben maybe Syrian. I, I don't remember. But um, it's really strange because the girl that now teaches my daughter in Saturday drama mm-hmm. played Joseph in the in the show that I was in. So weird, what? such a small world, and that's what you find. It's such a small world, isn't it? It really it's such a small is. World. It really, it's really like, is. Yeah. So, and you know, you all kind of go round in circles because when it's in your blood, when it's there, it never yeah. really leaves you. Even if for a short period of time you need to go off and earn some money, you come back to it because it's there. It's yep. in your blood. Okay, so I talked over you, but what was your? <laughs> what did you say? Your was it Joseph or or something? Joseph else? was the first uh, musical I saw. I think I was like, I think it was my 10th or 9th birthday, like one of those. And I was just like, oh, like I just, that kind of like wedged in for me. That's what I wanted to do. And Lindsay Hately was the narrator and I was obsessed with her. And I was, I spelt my name like her. I was just like, oh my goodness. Um, but I think the show that really like sealed it in for me was this, it was at the Palace Theatre. It was the Cinderella pantomime. And it last, I think it went on for like, maybe a month and a half, two month run. Yeah. And I had to leave school early with my little makeup bag thing. And I just, I was, I also played the Cinderella double cause I was tall for my height, uh, tall for my age and yeah. tall for my height, <laughs> tall for my age. Yeah. And her name was Rebecca Thornhill. And she has gone on to do a bunch of like West End stuff and she's in TV shows and stuff. And I just like, we used to hang out and she was, I think, maybe like 15 years older than me so she would like she was mentoring me as well because I would have to sit next to her a lot you've got to get her on here like I know I need to find her um but she was just so amazing and I remember going up to the the west end to watch her on Beauty and the Beast and I'm just like I want this to be my life so so yeah I was like 12 or 13 when that was going on and it was just so much fun it was like it was just like you know it just yeah you know when you're saying it's in your blood it's just there it's just like oh my god there's so many that I love now I mean I'm totally obsessed with come from away do you have this in Los Angeles at the moment no oh my god it's probably it's yeah I mean it is amazing um my friend Jonathan Andrew Hume is in it and he is fantastic and he was previously at Simba in the Lion King in the West End in oh fun so I mean he is he is rather spectacular however this this musical I cannot recommend it enough it's all about the subject is a bit sad uh, it's very sad um 9-11 mm-hmm. and when 
um, one of the planes took off, but had to land in Newfoundland because of the, the 9-11. So they had to do a quick, obviously like lots of probably planes had to land very, very quickly in different places all around the world. Um, and this one landed in Newfoundland, but this one got stranded there for, I don't know how many days. And the entire musical takes place with these stranded people in Newfoundland and it's their stories. And it's just so interesting and really touches you on every Every part of you just is touched by these stories. What's it called? Because I'm going to put it on my Spotify. Come from away. Oh, here we go. Away. I cannot recommend it enough. But yeah, I mean, there's there's loads now, and they're all coming back because of COVID. And there's, you know, they're all they're all um, opening back up, which is amazing. I I I went to see um, Frozen in. Um, on Broadway two years ago and that is coming to London <laughs> that's gonna be amazing <laughs> yeah opening in August obviously I have to see it again um because my daughter can't remember that I spent 500 pounds on tickets <laughs> she got to see one of the first productions of it when she was just three or four years old she can't actually remember so we have to go oh, again bless her. Um, she, I think she's just lying. She's like, I don't remember it. We need to see it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she's, I think, yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, so we're, so we're going to see that. And um, we've got, uh, we've got literally a ton of things, uh, of things, books, because not only do I like to go and see my friends, but I like to, I just like to keep that alive for yeah. her, for me, because, you know, you do, you just remember certain, there's definitely certain musicals that growing up, you all remember if you're creative or, or mm-hmm. plays that you remember. One that really springs to mind is War Horse when I went to see that at the National. I don't think that will ever leave me. There's certain productions, yeah, musicals that just stay with you and I, I, they have an imprint on you. And that's what the creative arts does. It, it yeah. imprints. And that's why we do it because you know something's affected us so much that we're just like (sighs) yeah just kind of need to do that ourselves yeah exactly um so for somebody who's just starting out in acting or who's just getting back into acting after a long break what piece of advice would you give to newbies or people the best piece of advice that I was ever given was it seems a really easy piece of advice but it's probably not so easy in in practicality terms but Mm -hmm is just to do it in terms of whether it's making something on your own phone or it's practicing a monologue in your mind or writing your own scene, play, script, Mm. um, monologue, performing it, filming it, doing it, just doing it. Okay, it doesn't mean you need to land that big job on HBO, right, to do it. You can do it right now. You can literally put this podcast down and read a soliloquy or read um, read a scene from your favorite movie and recreate it. Yeah. Maybe switch some lines, maybe do it, maybe film it, learn from it. Maybe film it a different way. Maybe film it with a different intention. 
maybe maybe record it with a, a different a, you know in a, a different mindset or a different location film it do it and through doing it you learn Mm-hmm. And you may just say to your friend who's maybe in the business, maybe not in the business. Hey, look, I filmed this the other day. I'd love to share it with you. Press send. They see it. Oh, my God, that's amazing. And they may just forward it on to somebody else or they may come back to you with that's great. Have you ever thought of so and so? Or, oh, my goodness, my friend is actually casting for something at the moment. You'd be brilliant. Why don't you do this? Yeah. But by not doing it. And I don't mean, I don't mean actually landing the jobs. I mean, just literally reading, mm-hmm. devising, making. Yeah. By not doing it, you're just simply not doing it. So you need to, you need to just get on it in whatever way that is and um, share that with your your friends, your family, your community. And through that perseverance, through that love, through that passion, it will come through. And you may have just recorded something or have something on your phone. And then the next week that you're maybe looking on, I don't know, whatever platforms you have there that you use in the US, you may just speak to somebody that says, have you got anything? And you say, yes, I've got it. And bang, press send, done. It's there. You've got your catalog of things. You've got your monologues. You've got your, um, you've, you've done your practice. You've, you know, I'm not saying you have to have the money to sign up to go and have one-to-one lessons. Everything is expensive. You know, you can just do it in your own time. And that's what's so great about social media now is that you can create an acting profile or you can create something and upload, 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 upload. Because even if your family and friends are not involved in the industry and maybe, you know, maybe don't see the advantage of it, that one person mm-hmm. that needs to see it for that next job, yeah, you've got a whole catalog of things that you can then show them. Yeah. Because there isn't one, there isn't one job that I haven't got that they haven't looked me up beforehand. Yeah. They haven't seen something that I have been in. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't necessarily have to have a whole host of Hollywood films. Certainly not. But you've got something that you've recorded. You've got something on Vimeo, something on YouTube, something on your own Instagram stories, um, something on your own IGTV, something somewhere. And even I can take my own, I should be taking my own advice because actually whilst you're waiting for that next job, me, um, <laughs> I should be, I should be doing something, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm busy being a mummy, but um, we can, we all just have to do it. So that's yeah. my advice would be don't wait around for somebody to give you that job or for you to chase that agent to get that job. Just do it. And by just doing it, you will land that job and you will land the jobs that you want and that you are suitable for and that you're right for because it'll all be there. That's perfect. That's sound advice. <laughs> there you go. I, mean, I told you I'm a good t- talker. That is why I landed the presenting job. Then I landed on the wrong, um, the wrong floor of the building and they were like, okay, you need to audition for this presenting thing. I think you've just nailed it. Like I'm going to give you that contract right now. Yes. So funny. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I think, I think 
you're doing an amazing job at what you're 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 doing and i think that um i'm just really grateful if the people that have started listening to me about how long ago was it an hour ago <laughs> still listening an hour later well done to you well done you're still here and you didn't fast forward me brilliant i love you for that i love you i will mention you in my oscar speech now i love it uh, yeah um just just you know enjoy it that's yeah. the thing right just enjoy what you do enjoy enjoy the arts enjoy um, and 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 just be you because no one else is you just you so true so true well thank you so much Rebecca for taking the time out to come onto the show appreciate you I know you've got mummy duties to go to so thank you thank you thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you so welcome and once again that was Rebecca Ferdinando you can follow her on Instagram at Rebecca Ferdinando it was just such a joy talking to you Rebecca I wish you all the success in the future. I know you're just going to do so well because you're Rebecca. It's you. Come on. You're fabulous. All right, guys. That is the last of season one. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to the people who reached out to me, people who I know, people who I don't know, and just asking questions. And it's been absolutely such a pleasure. And thank you so, so much. All right, until next season, bye-bye.